0: let oh. go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 91 of The Great Divide, The Big Country Podcast. This is Tom here, and this is the last in our series of shows that feature interviews with our WKW pledgers. Um, These kind souls uh, donated or pledged to our Men of Steel campaign from a few months ago, and they pledged at a certain level that enabled them to be guests on the podcast. So we've really had a lot of fun talking with all of you guys who did pledge for that and I really appreciate it. I know Bruce and Jamie appreciate it as well. So today we've got three guests. We've got two Americans, Jim Shubilski and Steve Coulter. And then we have a friend from the UK in Ian Chambers. And of course, as always, Spine is with me as well. So let's jump right into it. We're going to start out with Jim Shubilski.! Okay, so we are here with Jim Shubilski. How did I do? You did Great. Is it Shabilsky? That's actually how my dad would pronounce it. Okay, how would you pronounce it? Shabilsky. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> nice. Well, Jim is with us, and Jim was one of the pledgers for WKW to uh, to help us release the Men of Steel album on CD. And um, Jim, seriously, got to tell you, on behalf of myself, Bruce, and Jamie, we really appreciate it so much that you did that, and and that everybody who contributed did that, and it means a lot. So, thank you, first of all. Uh-
1: Oh, it's it's my pleasure. It's just great to be able to participate in something like this. So uh, I uh, jumped at it once I saw it.
0: That's awesome. And we are, are of course here, joined by Svein Hjort hogue from Norway. Hello, Svein.
2: My dad doesn't say it like that, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, How does your dad hello? say it? Your toge. Your Togue. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. That's good. <laughs> That's going to take some practice. <laughs> well, your dad is wrong.
2: <laughs> I'll tell him you said that. He'll probably make the trip. Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh yeah, I was gonna say. Preferably when
0: we're uh, separated by the ocean. But um, yeah, Jim, it's great to talk with you, and we're gonna speak with you um, about your own big country story and some other interesting topics, some big country live songs, and and what are our favorite live songs. So let's just get right into it. And I guess uh, the best way to start is tell us a little bit about how you got into the band in the first place my big
1: country story is pretty pedestrian i mean i i was you know junior senior in high school when uh, the crossing came out and like everybody else i i heard it on the radio uh we didn't have cable but some of my friends did so you saw the video and i just liked it was unique it was just different than anything i'd ever heard before i always liked uh, celtic type of sound and you know that being woven into uh, uh you know what i would consider rock not pop um to a teenage boy, you wouldn't want to be involved with pop at that point. That was, it was good and interesting, and got the album, and and then you were, then when you get the liner notes and you see the drawings and everything, there's a whole big theme going on, and and trying to figure out some of the the Scottish lyrics, it just was intriguing, and I remember you know really getting into Waiting for Steel Town, and and getting that one. Although you know after Steel Town, I lost track of them. I mean, I, I was in college and. You know, after Steel Town, there wasn't much airplay in the States and uh, didn't pick them back up till at some point I stumbled across Peace in Our Time and picked that up and and liked it. Um, It was a little bit different sound. Um, And then uh, lost track of them again, uh, ultimately found the Seer, lost track of them again until I think it was Buffalo Skinners. And uh, that blew me away. I liked that one a lot. Never got a chance to see him. I remember when they first came out in 83, they did hit Milwaukee um, at the Eagles Club or the Rave. And uh, I did read a review of it from a local high school. And surprisingly, it didn't get the best review only because their big critique was that they did a second encore and they repeated
0: in a big country. And
1: <laughs> I started laughing. <laughs> well, you know, they only have one album out. I don't know what you want them to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know that many, many bands around that time Did seem to, especially when they were recording their first albums, did seem to repeat songs in the set a lot. Like, I remember you two did it, and I know Big Country has done it before. So, uh, yeah, that's always interesting when they do that.
1: You know, fast forward to 2013, I did get to see them at the uh, Shank Hall in Milwaukee, which, you know, was named after the Spinal Tap (laughs) uh, venue. That's awesome. And uh, they played, yeah, it was great. They played about, I think there was maybe, I don't know, I'm not good at estimating crowds, but it was about a. 150 to 200 people um and it was a great show what i really liked about it was uh, there was a young man i wish i remembered his name but obviously bruce and and jamie knew him from some of the country club things he must have traveled but he's been from milwaukee and and uh, the, it, so he had a bunch of his friends and you could just see see the joy on their faces and and they play they were really tight that night so it was great to great to see that's
0: great and what what did you think of uh you know as so, as someone who saw the band for the first time with Mike Peters uh, and and you say you missed seeing them with Stuart right? Yes, I, don't, I only think they were in Milwaukee that first album tour. Oh, okay. Okay. So what was it a bittersweet feeling to see them live for the first time and have it be with Mike and not Stuart or or was it just like a all-around joyous type thing? What did you think of that whole incarnation of the band?
1: Um it was well, it was interesting because I was an Alarm fan, too. I, I mean, I did like the Alarm, and I followed some of Mike's uh, stuff that I think was basically solo, when he put the Alarm name on it that I liked. But I was, I was kind of torn because I almost didn't go because I thought, ah, is it going to r- really be what I expect it to be? And, you know, at that point, I was pretty uneducated. I didn't know how good a guitarist Bruce was, and I had thought that he kind of was a second banana to Stewart and uh i went because i figured when am i going to see him uh and i went and i uh, was blown away i mean they were so good and bruce had bruce seemed like he was doing two or three different guitar parts to songs jamie was in there too really well and um, you know mike's voice is pretty it's unique and it's, it's obviously not stewart's but uh it was they they were great i mean they 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 really rocked it and they they really put out too i was I always wonder how bands do that when, you know, you, you go from fill-in stadiums, especially in Europe, or large venues, and you go to this small Shank Hall in Milwaukee, but the energy was just electric, so they, they did a great job.
0: So one of the things that you wanted to talk about today was uh, some of the big country live songs and what you consider to be their best live live performances and live songs, and um, I'm interested in your thoughts on that, and because it sounds like a great topic. I don't think we've really delved that deeply into that on the uh, on the show before have we seen
2: we have talked about live songs as we walked through the albums we always cover how do they do certain songs live and blah blah, blah. so it's it's part of a different discussion it's never been the main topic yeah yeah, yeah exactly
1: and i did look through all 85 i mean i to be honest i've came to your podcast a little late i started about a year and a half ago and i've listened to probably two to three albums worth and the Christmas episodes and I don't have any Scottish slang for you today. But <laughs> that's um, all right. But th- as far as, as the the live shows go, I mean I, I just there's there's so many and some of them I don't even I think they're repeats I've found as I get some of them and they chop up the, the concert and they piece them in different ways. But um, I just you know just you could tell they were just so great live together as a as a unit. First they were tight. They they always I mean every once in a while you can hear a mistake, but um, and that actually kind of endears you to him more, but because they're usually so tight, but I just, you know, Stewart's r- 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 repartee with the crowd and the crowds are so electric for most of these, especially the barrel shows and some of the rock Palace stuff. It's just incredible. Uh, you can, can almost imagine being there. Um, but you know, Stewart, when he, when he does Bruce or Brucey, or, you know, in, in, uh, you know, either chance or poor man, when he does a, a meanwhile and he, you know, yeah. does the use and then the karate barks and. You know, you know the only the only ones where I think he got off tra- topic was he was requesting some of the Germans to strip naked, like Woodstock, or, um, or when he lost control of the audience in I think it was at Rockpalast in Bonn uh, after Wonderland he started they start singing chants. <laughs> He's trying to play ships. <laughs> you can't get him to stop. And then obviously there's a cut because they go right from guitar to piano and, <laughs> and get the song in. But, but it's just, I mean, you feel like you're there and especially with modern day technology, the sound is is so good. You know, and, and you can tell that the different versions of the band as you go along. You know, like when you listen to, um, for instance, I was just this morning listening to In a, Book, in a Big Country from the, the Homecoming Live at the Barrel and you know you can tell the excitement's there, and Stuart and Tony are excited, and with well, the band because you can hear them singing. But you can tell the, during the parts where they normally have to let the crowd sing, they lost part of the lyrics. <laughs> it got a little bit goofy, and Tony started singing again to get them back into it. To the to the to the middle years where you know the crowds are anticipating. They know to you know even the even in chants where you know at first off you know Stuart's saying one two three four, and then in the later some of the ones, the German ones, and and obviously by the end, the crowd's chanting the one, two, three, four uh, with them as well. And I, I just, I just love the crowd part of it. It's, it's. Uh, it, I mean, even though I wasn't there, I feel like I'm
0: two degrees away from being there. Yeah, exactly. I know exactly what you mean. And uh, what I've always found interesting too is like, uh, kind of in the, I guess in the '90s, maybe it was during the No Place Like Home tour and and some of those later tours with Stewart where he would get into heckling matches with some of the, the audience. I don't know if you ever heard any <laughs> yeah. of that stuff where he yes. was saying, like, uh, I met your mother and I told her to shave her back or something.
1: <laughs> no, I didn't. Actually, I haven't heard that one. If you know where that is, I'd love to hear it. I was
3: talking to your mother tonight before I came here. She said to me, by the way, if you happen to see my son tonight, tell him not to fuck with your show. But you may not recognise her when you get home because
2: I shaved her back. <laughs> yeah, actually we actually used that as an intro to one of the episodes. So. <laughs> so what about musically what are,
0: what are some of your what are your some of your favorite live eras of the band? What what's the era that you think? I mean, I know it's hard to judge because they yeah. were firing on all cylinders most of the yeah. time, as you already mentioned. But which which era do you think they were really at the top of their game live?
1: Uh, well, I think the the Buffalo Skinners tour is when, man, they're just tight. I mean, and you, you hear all those like personally, I, I looked at all the, al- the albums that I, I, I had a limited because there's some and I I left out the Dave Cash, whatever the hell those things are. But um Basically, without the aid of a safety net, the electric part of that is to me. I think that's where they're at their peak.
0: I, I personally it, agree with that. I, I, um, and I think a lot of people will too. I mean, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on the version of Steel Town from that album or from that that show versus, let's say, uh, a version of Steel Town from the Rock Palace shows in '86. For me, yeah. that for me, the Buffalo Skinner's tour version just destroys. Anything that I've ever heard. Yeah, no, I'm
1: with you on that. And I, you know, it was so tough for them to, you know, certain songs, you know, are they're different live than they are recorded. And you know, Wonderland has a little bit different uh, feel to it. I mean, when you get into the heart of the song, it's the same, but the beginning and some of the other parts. And then, you know, when you're when you're listening to even the the Steel Town songs they can't have all those overdubs and but the song is still strong and they they really capture what they need to capture live it's it's no it's quite amazing how they were able to do what they did um, it you know so you know i i would say you know first of all i've got one i got i just got to throw out and cuz it kind of some sums up all of this stuff because I went back. I've been listening since I got this thing to all the uh, live, probably nonstop. All these live versions And at first I thought I could remember. I finally had to start writing notes down. Like fine, uh, I don't have fourteen <laughs> pages, but I've got <laughs> I've got a spreadsheet set up here. But that's it, just one you know, song, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's right. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know where this one was, but you know, it's in the live at the BBC, and to me, it just it was. When I first heard it, and I, I, I you know, my son, I was, at this point, this was probably, I don't know when Live at the BBC came out, but I first really started listening to it strongly probably about six years ago, and I'd be driving my son to high school as a freshman, and I would put it on, and uh, I, I would play the song over the whole time, I would drive him nuts, because it just was, it, you felt like you were on stage with Stuart, and that, and that is the, the live version of Close Action at the BBC I just I just love how it opens up it comes in with a tuning um on some effect and there's some kind of soccer noises going on in the background Stewart's out of breath and then he, you know then he says how many people here have come a long way and I just love I mean I, he said it other way other other shows too but I just love how he says it and then um they go into it and the scream that he does and he did it I think um one of the early shows uh, you know when they were in their first tours but the scream is just electric. You can tell he's just one with the song, and it just it it blows me away every time I hear it.
3: Is there many people here come a long way? Well, so have I. This is called close action. <laughs>
1: It's not, it wasn't a karate bark. It was just, it was, it was, it was what Howard Dean was trying to do when he said, we're going to go to all 50 states or whatever. And
3: we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington DC to take back the white house.
1: Yeah! Ah! <laughs> Except it was the right, he did it the right way. That's
0: great. <laughs> that's a good poll right there um, from us politics. Yeah, that's, that's great. I know exactly what you're talking about there and, yeah, that that album or that compilation uh, that be of live at the BBC has some absolutely fantastic stuff on there. And you know, when it came out, I remember being excited about it, but at the same time, I thought, well, this is great. It'll probably probably be upgrades to bootlegs I've already ha- already have and have heard before many times. But it'll be good to have. But there were some things on there that I had never heard before. And um, strangely enough, not 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 to steal, you know, your time here. Just wanted to bring up this one song that I thought was interesting because I I believe it was in the, I believe it was from 1989 and that was when they were still sort of on the peace in our time tour. And you know, that, that tour gets a lot of flack and a lot of it deserved in my opinion for, for the keyboards that were added. that I never, yes. Yeah. And the singing ladies, which, which fine loves. So he gets mad when I criticize the singing (laughs) ladies, but um, there's a version of East of Eden on there that I find so interesting and it's, it does have some of those keyboards and um, I'm not going to say it's like the definitive version of East of Eden, but it's just, it's just an interesting version that I never knew they even played that song on that tour. So when I heard, heard the box set, that was what I immediately noticed that I hadn't heard before. So I zoned right in on it and it's a really cool version of it. I mean, even with the keyboards, like they, they did some different arrangements with it and it's got a very clean sound and you might think well that might not be a great way to represent that song from a, such a hard album like Steeltown but i just love that so uh yeah
2: think we're gonna get to a remix that is less dense than the album so it's really fascinating that it did it and um that whole show the hammersmith show 1989 yeah. that's i think is my favorite from the piece in our time tour i think that is a really good balance the keyboards are it doesn't have that annoying piercing sound that it has in many other shows but that it has a little bit more timber to it
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. I, I mean, you do notice the keyboards, and when they get further in the background, I think it's almost like the band might might have realized we needed to push them back a little bit further as they went along. Because yeah, I agree. They and they were always so kind of like new age uh, Yanni ish uh, airy chimey things. I didn't <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand yeah. that.
0: Yeah, um, I know. It kind
1: of ruined the you know the Travelers version they have on there could have been fantastic, but the I mean I know it was like that a little bit on the album, but it just seemed like it was too chimey for me. But, uh... I I
0: agree. I I don't know if you ever saw the um, the video that I did really quickly with uh, it was kind of a mix of Spinal Tap and the the audio was from the Seer performance from from that era. With the little okay. chimey keyboards where it's like. Do, 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 do. And so it's playing. He's so
2: proud of that. He's so proud
0: of that. He, m- he keeps mentioning it. So I have that in there. And then while it's being played, the, the Stonehenge, uh, tiny Stonehenge, is being lowered yes. from the ceiling. Yes. And they, they dance.
1: Well, if you're, ever, if you're ever in Milwaukee, I'll take you to Shank Hall and you can recreate it. It'd oh, that
0: would good. be great. That would be great. I'd love to go to Shank Hall. That would be fantastic. <laughs>
3: The little children of Stone Age Beneath the haunted moon For fear that daybreak I come too soon
0: You know, some of those shows, too, over the years, a, a lot – I mean, when I go to see a live show for a band that I'm really, really into, um, I always love to sort of obsess about what song they're going to open up with or, you know, what song they're going to close with, but especially that opening track because that really sets the stage for the show, I think. And and if you choose wisely um, – you know you can really set the energy level for the show right from the beginning so are there any opening tracks or or even groups of songs that you think have worked best over the years to sort of get that energy going for the band's live show
1: um yeah well i i i was always surprised but in the in that in that middle you know the buffalo skinner's era the one that that did and and i think you guys talked about it on your buffalo skinner's um uh, trio of, of podcasts on it all go together really worked during that period even though the songs lyrics were a little bit too much for me but it really got everybody electric and in, in going and the other albums I think you know they usually I- I'm trying to think what they started with you know I can't, I can't even tell I've been listening to so many live versions but uh, Wonderland I think I heard one was was kicked off but usually a lot of times might have been uh in a big country or or you know they always ended with fields of fire it seemed like at that period of time but but i don't know you guys probably know better than i do what they opened up with uh early on
0: well i tell you you, well i tell you what for me um and i totally agree with your comments and all go together and and what was so great about that too is that you know it's a new song from a new album (laughs) at the time and to have the crowd go so nuts over a brand new song was was great but for me, I the you mentioned the Rock Palace show a couple of times, and I know they played multiple times there. But the 1986 uh, performance where they open up with Wonderland, right into Fields of Fire, right into Where the Rose is Sown. To me, yeah. and without even a break in between the songs, yeah. I mean, just going right one right into the other. Yeah. To me, that's yeah. like, oh my gosh, what a what a one two three knockout punch yeah. from from the beginning.
1: Yeah, it it, it is amazing, and you know. You know, having hindsight, knowing all the stuff the band was going through, reading stuff. And, you know, you don't, I don't know personally, obviously. I just know what I read and in the history and listening to you guys. Um, they always brought it on stage. It just is amazing. You know, other bands, you know, I've been to concerts where you can tell they're just not into it. And, you are know, like, I guess probably they had those nights, too. But, you know, they're not going to put those on, on CD or digital for anybody to listen to. But it just seemed like they always brought it no matter what was going
0: on. Yeah, exactly. Well, let me ask you this. It, um, is there a song that you wish they would have played live that, that they never did or that you never heard? I mean, I certainly have lots of ideas on that myself, but are there? Is there a song that you think, oh, man, I would have loved to have heard this live?
1: Um, you know, it, there. I, and then maybe they do have it live somewhere, but uh, Return of the Two-Headed King or The Great Divide, I, I, I have not heard those live. Uh, those two songs are really good. Yeah, Is I did. Did I get the name of that song wrong? I don't know. No, there's, you did. You you did.
0: Okay. Return of the Two-Headed King. Yeah. And I, I was I think I always wondered if it was Return of or Return to. I think it's Return yeah. to. It might yeah. even have been called that called both things. I don't know. <laughs> Judging yeah, from yeah, that the,
2: the pronoun has been in question on that song, but I think they settled on that on two. <laughs> okay. Okay. But yeah, great great divide. They actually did play that live.
0: Um, with Simon Huff in the band, uh, when they, okay. yeah, when they, that, and that was the first time they ever played that live, as far as wow. I know. When when they did um, Steel Town 35th anniversary of Steel yeah. Town, and uh, yeah. they they played the entire album. So, and yeah, and it sounded great. So I, I agree. I mean, for me personally, I I would have loved to have heard something like the Sailor live um, from yeah. the Seer album, uh, and I've heard rumors that they had rehearsed that. Uh, I think there was even a, a in an interview with Stuart where he said, might've mentioned that song that they rehearsed it, but they never played it. Um, so yeah, there, there, there are tons of them that, that would have fit great that they never quite did. But when you've got that many great songs, I guess it's difficult. Oh, they, to, they did.
1: They did. And, and, you know, if they ever get close again, I'll, I'll have to come see them. But uh, I, it just seems like they're having fun. Like one of the, one of the things that, um, amazed me was uh, when I did see him live. Is you know they just walk right past because it's a small venue, and my God, is Mark Brzezicki tall? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. Is he as tall as you, Swine? Uh didn't you see the picture? Uh, no, I I'm not on Facebook or anything. I don't get any of that stuff. Unfortunately. Oh, you don't
2: get it? Okay, well I posted yeah. one from Liverpool. Now he's. Uh, I, I think I look more even at him. I'm 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 used to looking down on people. He's he's close to my height, yeah, figure, okay. figuratively
0: and literally. All right, so man, if,
2: if the guy who Just tried you, to rot, if the guy
0: who
1: tried to mug you was with both of you, he never would have tried if both of you were been out there.
2: <laughs> That's probably true. That was a tiny guy. Yeah, that would, he doesn't measure up to it. I think even Tom is taller than that guy. <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> oh man, yeah, that, and we we did establish that that was Simon Huff. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. That 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 will probably be edited out of the show. Uh, <laughs> so so any other any other songs Jim that you wanted to mention that about you know from the band that really live that We're live that did it <laughs> for I mean, you. I-
1: well, I mean there's there's two things I wanted to mention. One is I mean, we're not in Kansas, you can clearly tell the difference between um, oh, yeah, uh, between the the No Place Like Home version and then the Buffalo Skinner's version when they when they moved on. And it almost seemed like they started to get harder when they were during the No Place Like Home Tour And then Alone, I mean, you guys talked about that, the Buffalo Skinners, they, without of the safety net version is just incredible to me. I mean, you had one that you had on one of the pot. I think it might have been there, the podcast, where they went into like four different songs as part of that song. That, I don't know where you got that from, where they were doing other, other band songs within the beginning of that song.
0: Oh, as part Do- of Alone? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'm trying to remember that now, too. My memory is so bad with some of these things. <laughs> <laughs> so but, I get, uh, but, I, but i know that intro you know lends itself well to all that stuff yeah. with the little finger picking thing that he did and yeah it's just so yeah. cool yeah it
1: just it is awesome the the one other thing i did want to mention and you and this is just for fun because i i always thought that big country i mean their their catalog of songs they really were great craftsmen with their song i i don't i mean there's just certain bands that just don't get the acclaim that they deserve uh but I would, I could see their their songs, you know, putting together like some type of charity album or something where bands p- pick one of their songs and put their spin on it and and sell it. But I've got uh, bands I'd like to hear play some of their songs. If you don't want mind oh, me, oh yeah, going yeah, through some of that. definitely. I would, I would love to hear the Foo Fighters play "Alone." Uh, that would, I think that would that would kill me. Uh, Biffy Clyro doing "Inwards." I don't know if you know Biffy Clyro, but uh, I, they're a I Scottish do.
0: group. Yeah, I know who they are. They're really good. Uh,
1: Um, And then uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm going to see Volbeat in May, and I'd love to hear them play. We're not in Kansas. I think that would be a little weird for them, but that would be fun. Um, Very very cool. And then, of course – Fog Hat would have to do Republican Party Reptile because that's just. <laughs> right. In fact, I can even sing Slow Ride to it when I'm listening to it. Um, and then, uh, then uh, not last because I'm going to get to that. But Pink doing Look Away for some reason I just think she would do a, a crazy pop version of Look Away. Oh wow! Since I know that's Fine's favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> that is that would be very interesting. I, I would I'd be up for hearing that. Yeah, and then of course James Last doing uh, "Soapy Sotar Strikes Back" and or, or Camp Smedley's theme. One of those.
0: <laughs> Maybe you've just given us an idea, or given given our James Last impersonator an idea for a future show. Who knows? Yeah, I I sent in for that album. I
1: never got it. I don't know. I'm a little disappointed. <laughs>
0: I heard they're a little slow sending those out.
2: (laughs) I wouldn't trust him as far as I would throw him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just keep an eye out on the mailbox. I'm sure that's going to show up at some point. So I've got one last question to ask you, but before I do, um, I just want to make sure that, you know, we hit everything that you want to talk about. So we still got a little time left. So, um, well, let me let me just well, ask.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. The the only thing I want to talk about, Tom, and this is, I mean, I, I we I, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to be like a stalker or something, but we have communicated over the years. When you had your MySpace page, I would we'd communicate back and forth. In fact, you turned me on to, uh, uh, oh, no, I'm I'm blanking, Buddy Hill, and uh, is, you know some of that stuff. Oh yeah, and 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 some of those things. And I, I will tell you, I've got all of your CDs before they were digital, and I've heard the various. Uh, versions of you know the little, little lamb or what's the lamb song? I'm oh, sorry, lost, I should lost know. Lost lamb.
0: It. Oh wow, lost, you've lost heard all the incarnations. I've heard <laughs>
1: all the all the incarnations, and I've got to tell you, um, Rail the EP you put out a couple of years ago, just fantastic. I've played that so many times, and specifically um, the song Autumn Waltz. That that is that is a tour de force. It really is, and the way you bring back the rail scream right at the end. And the two leads on there that just build and build and just—it's just incredible. I mean, I don't know how you do it with all the stuff you do, but uh, <laughs> thank you for doing it. I really enjoyed it.
0: Oh man, uh, Jim, Jim has now become my favorite guest of all time. Of <laughs> this, all time. Uh, sec-
2: This this section will of course be edited <laughs> out. <laughs>
0: No, I, I really, man, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. That means a lot to me, especially with Autumn Waltz, because I'm really proud of that song. And uh, no, uh,
1: it, it is incredible.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate that, and that, and that gives me the perfect re- excuse to play it in its entirety on the show now. <laughs>
3: oh god.
0: <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, with Big Country, though, you know the the band listens to this show believe it or not they listen to it a lot especially bruce bruce listens to it a lot in fact sometimes he'll be um sometimes he'll listen to episodes and he'll 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 have like a running commentary i mean i think once (laughs) it's seriously like i think one night he he sent me like 20 emails in quick succession about the show as he was listening to it like uh you know this fact is not quite right this is what really (laughs) happened and (laughs) <laughs> this is this is different, and oh, that's a good point. And, you know, just things like that. So, what I'm getting at is, um, you know, th- with them hearing these shows, uh, they're likely going to hear this. So, if yeah. you have a message to give to them, um, you know, and it, and it doesn't have to be anything elaborate, but if, if just no. knowing that they're listening, I mean, what would you say to them?
1: Oh, just you know, just a a great big thank you. I mean, for somebody like me, who's who's attempted to learn how to play guitar you know i i can plunk along and every once in a while i can grab a note or two from one of theirs um i know how hard it is maybe after a lot of practice it gets easier but what they do and how they craft their songs and they're still performing just keep doing it i appreciate it because um it it brings a lot of joy to people and they, you know that's one of the things i want you know with that scream that stewart had in uh in close action to me that that's like is i don't know I am going to get a little bit too deep here. You might want to edit this part out, but for me, music can get me as close to, you know, the hereafter as you can on earth sometimes when you're, when you're in a zone and you hear that and it just, it gets to your soul. And I think that's what that scream was. It was just a scream right from the soul of pure joy, being one with the music, one with the band and the crowd. And it's just, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a gift to be able to give that to people. So thank you very much.
0: That's, that's beautifully said. Is there anything else that we missed that you wanted to to say before we let you go?
1: No, I just uh, just keep doing this. Get to a hundred at least, because I uh, will <laughs> listen. Um, I've got my daughter goes to school about five hours away from Milwaukee, so whenever I have got to get in the car to drive, I I knock out
0: an album. So sometimes, yeah, I was going to say at least a side of an album. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, we definitely will. In fact, that is that is actually our plan to to, to at least get to 100. But yeah, so Jim, uh, thank you so much. It was a great talking with you. And um, thanks for all the support over the years, too, and, and uh, for supporting the WKW thing. And um, it was just re- really cool talking with you and great, great insights onto these songs. And uh, we really appreciate it.
1: No, I, I appreciate the opportunity. And it's fine. Keep writing those liner notes, okay? Well, I'll do it if they ask
2: me. glad you like them all
0: right so we're here with Steve Coulter now and um, it's a pleasure to talk to Steve because I've communicated with him a lot over the you know recent couple years on Facebook and the groups and great guy and it's great to finally speak with him and uh, welcome Steve thank you Happy to be here. Yeah, good to have you. And and thank you so much, too, for uh, for contributing to the WKW Men of Steel thing. And um, I know Bruce and Jamie really appreciate it, and I certainly do, and, and really, really appreciate your support. And it's great to be able to talk with you today about some, some interesting big country topics that are, I guess, hopefully near and dear to your heart. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah, and Spine is here, of course.
2: Hello, Spine. I'm here. Hello, hello. So, Steve. Hi, Spine. Yeah, there you go. Hey, so Steve. We have, we have spoken a lot, so it's got, yeah. Let's, let's pretend like we're just meeting. <laughs> Hello, Steve. Good to talk to you. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Gr- greetings from Los Angeles. Yeah, from Long Beach Arena. And every time I see where you're from, all I can think of is Iron Maiden live after death. Because that is where they recorded that classic live album. Oh, this nice. This is true. So, yeah. One of the things that Long Beach is famous for. Yes, indeed. I think,
0: I think of a Kiss show from 1974, with, which I don't know if it was at the arena, but it was in Long Beach. Big Classic Kiss uh, bootleg from their first six year, year of existence.
4: Six-year-old Steve was a little too young to go to that show <laughs> at that time.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, I actually was too young, too. So that's good to think about. But uh, we're here to talk about Big Country, but we had to get the obligatory Kiss reference in there at least once. So, um, so Steve, welcome to the show. As I said, it's great to have you here. And w- one of the first questions that we've been asking everybody who's who's been on the show um, as a result of the WKW thing is just to... Kind of get your own personal big country story, I guess. Like how you got into the band, how you became aware of them first. What what uh, drew you to them? Their sound. So so, what's your story from that perspective?
4: Yeah, I mean, everybody's story is uh, is a little bit different, and mine is um, is also a little different in the fact that I was I was definitely old enough to have been into the band right when they came out. I was uh, listening to that genre of music. And of course, I heard In a Big Country and Fields of Fire. I'm not sure which song first. I want to say Fields of Fire possibly first. And they showed on the local videos. We had a MV3 was kind of a, a local, I think it was a local to Los Angeles area video show. And on Friday Night Videos, I think that was kind of a nationwide show. But I, I never purchased any of the, uh, of the first you know, couple of records. I just kind of knew them out there and would enjoy it. But I wasn't a super fan, let's say. I think it was, I, was, uh, I was not the best music fan when I was younger in that I was very uh, narrow-minded. I had my, my stuff that I really liked, and I didn't have a whole lot of room for anything else, you know, very focused. And all of that changed when I uh, started working at a record store. And that was in the very beginning of 1989. So a little later, I'm already uh, well into college, and uh, just it was my uh, my college job, if you will.
0: Hmm. Very cool. So
4: yeah, I just had a, you know exposure to so much more music, but I also had availability to get it, you know, at a discount and things like that. And that's really when um, the, I, I really. Of the first record I bought of, of Big Country was The Seer, which was already a couple of years old at the time. And, you know, I, I remember buying it and just looking like, why don't I have more of this stuff? It's so good. I remember the older songs. And then I started kind of digging backwards. And, and, you know, probably within a couple of months, I had uh, the first four albums, and was super excited about it. And just you know getting to know all of the songs listening to them over and over and over again and that was what really i probably went from being like a fan of big country to them being my favorite band over the course of that
0: year, 1989. Wow. Isn't that cool? Um, not to derail too much, but um, I remember when I became a fan of U2 for the first time, it was when uh, Under a Blood Red Sky came out, and I heard uh, 11 o'clock TikTok, and that's what got me into the band. And then to be able to, to then go back and know that there were like three other full albums that I could now go and listen to and buy all at once... that was such a cool feeling. So I met with, did you kind of feel that way with big country after you got into the seer and then went backwards and, you know, got into absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and I guess
4: the fun part, and I've had this experience with other bands too. And, um, but with, with big country, it was what we made it really special was that they were still around. And then I, I couldn't wait for the next thing. So it wasn't long after I had, dove headfirst into that when their the greatest hits came out and it had the new song on it and you know without the internet back then and things and, and you were aware because you were you know you were in the country club and you you had all of this kind of the online uh what do you call them
0: back then? It was kind of like an online chat thing. I mean, that's how you guys kind of originally connected, right? Yeah, right. pretty much. But that, but that was like—I mean, I didn't even join the country club until right before "No Place Like Home" came out. So I was kind of oh, in the okay. same. Yeah, I was kind of in the same boat as you. It just like whenever something released was released, the only time I heard about it was when I was fortunate enough to see it in the shelves of a record store. So, yeah.
4: Yeah i i I was I was shocked to learn later on that. You know that Mark didn't even play on "Save Me."
3: Right? You know, I, I, had no,
4: I had no idea. I didn't know he wasn't in the band at that time. Yeah. just weird things like that that we take for granted because all the information is right at our fingertips. But you know, flashback thirty-one
0: years ago, and it wasn't <laughs> right. <You know>? exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, things have changed just a little bit, right? <laughs> just a little bit. So, so I, it, no. no go, go ahead. I was. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, um, you know, you're the. You're one of the. I, I don't know, third, third or maybe fourth person who recently who has said they got into the band um at the Seer, which is really interesting to me because i haven't heard a lot of that before um which i totally understand because Seer is a great album but i was just going to ask you know getting into it from the Seer backwards and then from that point did you then go to peace in our time and if if that was the case what were your thoughts on that change of sound after you had experienced the first three albums
4: it was, uh, Peace in Our Time was obviously very different, but I do recall, I mean, I recall hearing King of Emotion on the radio, you know, and, and here in Los Angeles, we were lucky and probably, you know, still are to have a very good and famous alternative rock station in K Rock, which was uh, quite the tastemaker for um, probably the entire U.S. At, at some level, but they were very much so here in Southern California and uh, they played big country pretty regularly. It wasn't like, you know, just in a big country and nothing else. I mean, they, they played, they played their songs and, uh, you know, when they came out a new with a new one, they'd play it. And I remember liking it, you know, at the time I thought it was, I thought it was good. I, I didn't love it, but I liked it. And, and then when I dove in and really got to know all of the albums, it was like, whoa, this is such a left turn. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, the songwriting's still there, and it. Um, of course, when you're in the '80s, you you're not quite as aware of '80s sounds and things <laughs> right. that may not age well. You know, R- you're right. a little too close to it to notice. So, a lot of hindsight uh, is uh, what is built into the opinion of that album today. I think for me and for probably most people.
2: So, so I, I have I have to ask you since you worked at the record store, how much big country did you sell to people? Well, I was probably
4: responsible for selling most of it to people because the it, you know being that we were an independent store, I didn't work at a chain store. Uh, it, we had a lot of control over what we played, and and I eventually ran that store, so I had a lot of say in what we stocked, and I would stock what I thought was good, and then I would play it. To the masses and generally I would sell it. People like, hey, what is this? Oh, I've heard of these guys. You know, I'm like, well, they're not just what you've heard on the radio, listen to more. And um, I always made sure we had at least one of, of everything that they offered at the time. Uh, I recall the Greatest Hits, the brown cover, kind of Greatest Hits with Save Me on it, was probably the easiest thing to sell. And it was a it was a hot seller for the band as well, but that was You'd throw that on and you'd sell it pretty much every time.
0: That's awesome. That's fantastic. What a cool experience to be able to work in a store and be able to order those things as they came in. I mean, did you – I know this was probably just before the days of when all the imports – well, I guess the imports were probably around then too. I mean, were you able to yeah. see like what was what was available on an import basis and then make sure that you got it brought into the store?
4: Pretty much. I mean, we had, I remember very specifically, a company called Phantom Imports. And uh, I would just scour their catalog and talk to my uh, my rep on the phone of like, hey, what, can you get me some big country stuff? Because people weren't asking for it. So, I was kind of the one guy. And I remember when uh, No Place Like Home was coming out and I was just Beside myself, excited about this new big country album uh, coming with my uh, you know newfound love of the band, so I was hungry for anything to get my hands on, and I ordered the um, Republican Party Reptile single. It was a numbered limited edition, a little silver case, and oh, yeah. it had the space for the second CD. And I'm looking at it on my shelf as I sit in my office right now, and I I, I bought that the second I get my hands on it and then my importer let me down, it could never find the beautiful people single. So to this day I have an empty slot oh, no, for that. And I, I tracked one down once uh, through the group, through Facebook and a guy was going to send it to me. Um, he had an extra copy and he offered to send it for, to give just to give it to me. And I was going to pay the postage and then it just kind of went away. So I'm still looking for one and I'm sure I'll find one. I need to kind of, you know hunt a little a little further i mean you can find anything pretty much and but uh well you yeah, never know. Just, you
0: know you know you now that you've said this and our listeners uh you know, some of them are, are generous people you may get some uh some responses to that who knows <laughs>
4: uh, that's funny i just feel like i'm sitting here talking to you
0: guys but yeah maybe
4: <laughs> maybe that will help huh i, uh, I mean spine, that, that spine was
0: i won't help you but maybe someone else will
2: uh yeah you, I'm actually looking stuff- it up right now. <laughs> I found a copy on Discogs. <laughs> oh, okay. Nice. There you go. I, I, everything
4: that goes into Spine's house doesn't leave, I'm pretty sure, right?
0: That's true. Humans and <laughs> records
2: alike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gonna you, be surprised how much leaves this house. <laughs> <laughs>
4: well, uh. it, yeah, I, I was just, yeah, I, I loved it. And I, it was funny, though. First time I heard Republican Party Reptile, that was as jarring as hearing the piece in our time stuff yeah you know that was a a huge change um in style and i didn't really think i was into that but as soon as i heard the b-sides of uh of that you know with kiss the girl goodbye and that kind of thing it was like okay this is the, this is the band that i always loved you know or had had I say, always loved for that two-year period.
0: But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) the band I was super into at the time. What about? I mean, we want to talk to you about the most recent show that you saw um, the band (laughs) play. But before we jump into that, I just wanted to ask: had you ever seen them before? Was did you have you seen? Yeah, I I have, and uh, I'm glad
4: you asked because my live experience with Big Country is not extensive being you know in the united states and on the west coast i mean uh, you had more opportunity than than i did it seems like the they they played in your neck of the woods tom more so than um the rest of the u.s so uh, my first experience in seeing big country was the day after my 25th birthday 1993 Mm. at the roxy in los angeles and um fantastic tour to see him on Oh man, I, I had no idea either. I, you know, I, I hadn't really heard the band live. It, like, you know, you couldn't dial up on YouTube and check out, you know, stuff. And I don't recall there being uh, even VHS tapes that were available of them live. There probably was, but I, I didn't have any. So I, I just I was ridiculously excited and. Just to back up a second, the, the only reason I went to that show was because I worked at the record store, and there was this couple, and, um, and they were married, I recall this, and the reason I'm referring to them as this couple is because I do not, for the life of me, remember their names, hmm. but they they knew I was a huge Big Country fan at the store and i would play it play the music in the store and they were huge big country fans way past like my level of fandom at that time they had everything they had all of the b-sides all of the things on records and they they probably i don't know where they got them they were similar in age to me but they uh said hey i'm gonna make a mixtape for you of all this stuff that you've never heard and he gave me a cassette tape of you know, all the, the balcony and, um, you know, uh, winter sky and all these songs that I had never heard before. So, uh, the, and just, you know, wonderful folks. And I've actually always hoped that maybe they were, you know, somehow on one of these big country pages and maybe, maybe, maybe they are. Maybe they'll hear this story and they'll uh, be like, hey, that was us. Cause I would, I would love to, uh, reconnect with them in some way because i really owe a lot to them because they they came in and said hey big country's playing in los Angeles. do you want to go i'm like heck yeah i want to go they go great we'll, we'll we'll drive we have an extra ticket for you and you know i didn't make a lot of money working at the record store i was just getting by living at home and going to school and making a couple of bucks so they 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 drove and took me to the show
0: oh how cool was
4: that that's great yeah it was unbelievable i mean and and the roxy just to put it in perspective it's Four hundred people, if you fill it. I mean, it's a very small room. As famous mm-hmm. as the Roxy is, it's not big. So we were standing right there, and um, wow, it just they they took the stage, and there. I mean, the stage is only a foot tall, and it's right in front of you, maybe two feet tall. And I mean, they're right there, and it was, you know, I had high expectations, and yet I was still completely blown away.
0: <laughs>
4: and what was the attendance like for that show? It was, uh, I would say, near capacity. I don't think it was completely full, but it was. There was a very uh, enthusiastic crowd. You know, they had their hardcore fans, even in '93 when they were, you know, well past their commercial peak. It, it was the room was full and very enthusiastic folks. And you know, I, I recall very specifically a, a guy standing in the front, yelling out songs to Stewart to play and uh the steward was polite with him at first He just like i'll pick the songs i'll <laughs> pick the songs he just kept repeating that and, and then finally he just kind of looked at him like i'm not you need to stop yelling songs at me because you know that's that's not uh, that's not how we do this you know and uh it was it was really something, and and the the fun part was you know I didn't drive, so I you know I was kind of at the mercy of of this couple of when they wanted to leave after the show, and their tour bus was parked right out front, and uh, we stood around outside the Roxy, like oh maybe we'll get a chance to meet them you know when they get on their bus, and nothing happened, nothing happened, almost everybody left, and so we went back into the Roxy, and there's eh, a dozen people just kind of moping around, and the band comes out. Everybody but Bruce actually um, and Tony and, and Mark and and Stuart of course commanded a lot of attention but um, I spent a good chunk of time talking to Tony and Mark and they, you know, just they were so warm and, and, and fun to talk to and just answering questions and it, it, I think back and it's like at the time I had never, you know met anybody what I considered to be famous I didn't know what to expect and they were um, they were just so kind and 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 warm and fun and just it made you feel like they were old friends and when I got a chance to talk to Stuart, I actually sat down I had a beer with him and talked about everything under the sun and now you heard the stories of how Stuart was with his fans. It's not at all surprising, but to me I was shocked and you know he um, I gave him my ticket. To sign, and he wrote, "Stay alive, Stuart Adamson." I have it mm. framed on my wall in my oh. office right now, wow and I've put it on my on my uh, Facebook. If, you, if I probably think I think everybody's kind of seen it here and there. I've posted that ticket, but it means a lot to me. I mean, it was a, a really special thing. So um I never saw him again until, and they never, and they at that time they hadn't played in Los Angeles in seven years. They made a point of saying that from the stage, and uh, I did. The next time I would see Big Country, it was. Uh, Mike, Mike Peters fronted uh, Big Country at the Coach House in San Juan Capistrano, which is in South Orange County, uh, in Southern California, probably about 50 miles away. And uh, that was in June of 2013. And that's when Derek was in the band as well.
0: Yep, yep. How how would you compare those two uh, tours? You know, I, I know it, it was bittersweet seeing them with Mike after Stewart passed away, but um, it was also – there was also – a good bit of sweet to it, at least for me, because of them coming back to America after so long and hearing those songs again, even though the band was, was a bit different. Um, What was your perspective on that journey show versus the Buffalo Skinner show you saw?
4: Wow. Well, it was certainly, it was different, Um, but we, it was so positive, uh, such a positive experience because it was a a really good, good friend of mine. Um, One of my best friends and his wife, they, they, originally they were like we got to go we got to go to the show because they had never seen big country and i was like heck yeah we're going to this show we're let's go and uh so my wife and 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 i and and uh my buddy patrick and his wife Dawn, we all four of us went down there and knowing that we know the coach house because it's kind of a local venue it, it's kind of first come first served and if you want to sit up front you have to get a table and if you have to order food and things like that so it's kind of an unusual venue in that respect but we wanted to do that so we had a table literally butted up against the stage right in front of Derek and when they came out and started playing i mean the emotion was kind of like overwhelming, you know. Yeah. Just hearing hearing it play, and I I think I instantly started tearing up. It was just like, oh my god, this it's alive again. It's th- these songs because it kind of went through that period of, you know, post Stuart passing away in the early two thousands of of you know I really got down on it for a while in the sense that I I just. I don't know. I think everybody had that kind of period in in different ways. And it was just like, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to hear it right now. And um, it was well over that by 2013. So it was just, you know, even with uh, hearing Mike and I've, I'm I'm an alarm fan too. I saw the alarm, the original alarm, the last, one of the last times they played live at the coach house at the same venue in 1991. So uh, before they broke up. So you know, even seeing Mike again was was a neat experience as
0: well. So you had also the opportunity to see them recently on this most recent leg of the of the U.S. tour, if you can call it a tour, just a few cities here and there on the West Coast and now about to be the East Coast. But you saw a pretty interesting show um, for <laughs> possibly the record of the shortest set list the band ever played. Can you talk a little bit about that show that you just saw?
4: Absolutely. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was, you know, we saw that they were coming to coming to town. It's like, well, you know, we're going, we we can't, you know, big country comes to town. I never thought they would even they would come to town with this new lineup. I just didn't see them touring the US just due to the cost they kind of mentioned. When they had toured with Mike, it seemed like it wasn't very worth their while. So when I saw they were going to play this this 80s show, it was like, okay, I don't care about most of what's going on on this bill, but if Big Country's there, I'm there. So we uh, we had decent seats. And, and to put it in a little perspective, Microsoft Theater is not a small venue. It holds 7,000 people. So it, it's a decent-sized theater, very nice place, actually. And um, when uh, I, I actually was sending messages with scott on uh facebook of like hey do you know when you guys are going to hit the stage do you have set times um and he goes i don't yet but i'll let you know as soon as i do and then when he he sent me back he's like eight fifty f- or uh, 7 we're supposed to hit the stage and um i think the show wasn't even supposed to start till eight so i was like whoa they're they're gonna be on early um so we got there nice and early and it found our seats and we were you know, uh, in, in the orchestra section, but it's quite large. So we were, you know, a couple hundred feet from the stage, not quite as close as I was hoping, but, um, comfortable and it hardly it seemed like not that many people were there yet. And but it started filling in, filling in, and then um, as soon as the the show started, uh, China Crisis comes out, and I'm not that familiar with their stuff, and but they play two songs and they're like thank you everybody and the stage starts to turn and i'm like okay so if they get two songs what is big country going to get to play because i had it in my head that they would it would be a short set because of the um, the number of bands on the bill I, I just knew they couldn't play much but i expected something in the neighborhood of 5 to 7 songs and that was kind of my low expectation right but yeah they you know and they <laughs> uh, it, they come out and they open up boom with the seer or not the seer but look away and um like okay and i look around and the crowds filled in almost completely and people are on their feet and they are excited and i i was like wow this is a better reception than i was expecting i thought i was going to be the only idiot standing there you know yelling yay big country and you know everybody else (laughs) is waiting waiting for flock of seagulls or something so uh they they were met with uh great enthusiasm everybody on their feet and singing along and, and they bust out um you know in a big country and fields of fire and thank you everyone good night and it starts to turn you know it's just like uh okay i guess that's what it is you know hi <laughs> so
2: that's, un- that's unbelievable yeah, so- yeah. go ahead I was just going to ask, did you know anything about how long they were going to play? Was that projected or shared, or was there any kind of... No. You know, I I, I think the folks that go
4: to these um, 80s weekends, they're called, and and Richard Blade is a kind of famous L.A. DJ, English guy, but famous L.A. DJ. And uh, he started putting on these 80s weekend shows... um, It was quite a few years ago, uh, maybe three or four or five years ago, and this was 80s weekend number nine, I think. So the folks that go to these shows probably knew exactly what to expect. I had never gone to any of those shows. So I just looked at the bill and how many bands were on the bill, and it was starting at 8 o'clock at night. I thought, I'm just doing the math. And I'm like, they can't allow these bands to play very much because they're not going to go past 11 o'clock. You know, it's it's a th- basically a three hour show, and you've got you know thirteen bands or something on the lineup. So yeah. I knew I knew it wasn't going to be long, but no, there was no specifically, hey, the band is playing from you know this time to this time. But it, it, I, I had my suspicions; it was going to yeah. be pretty
2: tight. Yeah, I mean, with them being early, especially you, you kind of know them. The last one, sort of headliners of the evening, probably get a little longer. And then yes. the rest, the rest would have three or four songs. Exactly that.
4: Uh, and we, you know, we didn't want to leave immediately since you know we really did come to see Big Country. But it, you know, it was, <laughs> it was, a, it was a lot of money spent, and you know, we're we're like, okay, well, we're gonna, yeah, you know, we're gonna hang out for a while at least and check out some of these bands. And uh, yeah, even though it was disappointing that Big Country only played three songs, I mean. China crisis played too, and then after that, Josie Cotton or somebody came up on stage, and she played too. And uh, wow, and that you know, it, and it was it, these, and these, ba- this is a big production. I mean, there were it was first rate. The sound was absolutely spot on. Like, and every band sounded incredible. But I was just trying to figure it out. I think like, what would what would possess a band to even want to do this? And then I thought, well, the pr- the price of the tickets and the size of the venue. I'm like, they're probably. This is probably a good gig. They're they're making good money on this, and it was it 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 kind of had the feel of you're listening to the radio, you know. It was like short attention span stuff, you know. Come out, bang bang, couple hits, and then turn the stage, and the next band comes out, and they play only the songs you've heard, and then you know next next band. So for a certain kind of audience, it's probably the greatest thing ever. Not for me <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> you know, I'm a huge concert goer. You know, so I've probably been to over 400 shows. You know, over the last 35 years and for pushing 40 years, I guess. Wow. Uh, yeah, and I, it's you know, I, I go to shows and I, I, I go to, I, I like to see the band I want to see. You know, I don't go to festivals particularly. So, it was, uh, it was a little bit of a surprise, but I was. Impressed by how good all the bands sounded. That said, we lee left after I think Missing Persons came
0: on. And, <laughs> you know, that's fantastic. So, you, so you didn't stay for MC Hammer, then? I take it. Uh, I missed that. <laughs> did, you know, did you know that um, the band was actually sharing the dressing room with MC Hammer's dancers?
4: I found that out on <laughs> Facebook. I'm friends with Simon and Scott, and uh, they' especially Scott's he posts a lot of stuff. He's so into his photography and everything. So there was plenty of pictures and little video clips. And I don't know if it was the big country site or if it was Scott or if it was, or who posted it, but they had a little video of like pointing at the uh, MC hammer dancers, uh, next door in their little, you know, green room area. And uh, it was pretty funny. I I was hoping to try and connect with them because I was sending messages to Scott. I'm like, Hey, are you guys still here? You know, uh, let's uh come out i'll buy a pint or something you know i was trying to kind of entice them out of the back because i i wasn't sure if they were out the door and off you know off to the next place or what they were what their agenda was but they hung out i guess uh, i saw pictures of them on stage with the uh dancers so when at some point when uh mc hammer was on stage the band was up there with them so <laughs> wow that's wild. awesome
0: that's awesome yeah it's all a lot of photos of uh band members with mc hammer and including our yeah. very own jf and g so uh <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, that's <was> great yeah <laughs> I, I, I
4: was i uh, i was also sending john uh messages trying to find out he i think he was the one who actually confirmed exactly when they would take the stage and stuff so <sighs>
0: The band does listen to this show, and I know Bruce listens to it a lot. So, I mean, you've you've kind of got a, a direct line to them on the show. Is, is there anything you'd want them to know? You know, as they as they probably will listen to this. Like, do you have any message that you'd want to deliver to them?
4: Wow, I, I guess the only message that I would have is is just is just thank you. I, I'm so happy that they have continued on to to play together and and kind of form this new band and they they just look so tight and together and like they're just having a great time and the enthusiasm is is very uh, easy to see from the audience's point of view and and i just appreciate it so much that bruce has you know taken the time and effort to to keep big country alive and i really feel like it's appreciated by the audience as well And it's awesome and i am still looking forward to to meeting you bruce if you're listening um you were the one i didn't get to meet when you were in town back in 1993 i don't know if you were having a bad day but he was the only one that didn't come out and mix it up with the people so uh I look forward to meeting him, but he, he was great on stage too, by the way, I didn't mention that, but Bruce is as, as you guys know from the clips and things that he's, he's the front man, if you will. And and he was addressing the audience and just so enthusiastic. And I remember my wife even noticed too, she's like, God, they're having such a great time. Bruce is just awesome and talking to everybody and just had that, a great feel. So, um,
0: just thank you guys. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Appreciate it. That's awesome. Uh that's I'm sure that'll mean a lot to them to hear that. But uh well man, thank you Steve. That that was fantastic. Uh is there anything that that we might have missed that we didn't get to that you wanted to, to mention?
4: Oh gosh. No, I mean this has been just a, a real um uh, pleasure for me to to join you guys. I've I've been listening to you for so many years now actually. It's uh
0: my how long has it been? Over 5
2: Oh, Six we don't talk eight. about that. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> it's about it's oh. about uh, seven years. It's been going right. At, at wow, least. almost eight. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I was twelve.
4: Okay, yeah. I, I think I discovered the podcast a couple of years in, um, but I quickly uh, you know listened to them all and. It quickly, just, as well. Quickly, maybe is not the, not maybe not the right term. Uh, as they got longer <laughs> and longer, and uh, um, but no, it's it's a pleasure. I've been fun to to interject a couple comments here and there. I think I've been on the podcast in uh, uh, some form or another, dropping a, a, a thought have. or two over yeah. the years. A couple of times, at least, until the uh, what was that? Speak pipe stopped updating on my ipad so um <laughs> I, I could no longer do it but uh no it's it's a what you guys do is 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 really uh, a neat thing for the community and not not every band has a uh, a podcast to kind of go with it and there's something special about big country fans uh as special as the band is to ha- you know to have a uh, folks like yourselves that would make an effort to craft an entire show that is now well into the eighties and the numbers of podcasts. And I don't know how many hours that adds up to and to be able to generate, yeah, to generate that kind of content though is, is kind of unbelievable. And and it takes a, it takes a band like big country to inspire folks to even have that much to, to say and talk about. And it's pretty
0: awe inspiring and really, really enjoy it. Hey, thank you, man. It's it's Thank you so much. Yeah, it's great talking with you as well. We appreciate all your input on the pages and everything else. So say hi to your wife for us, and uh, we will talk to you very soon. To yours as well. Thank you. Okay, so we've got Ian Chambers with us. And Ian was a pleasure to the WKW crowdfunding campaign to get on um, uh, the podcast. He, He purchased that tier. And... Ian, welcome to the show, and we're really glad to have you, and and for me, uh, you know, and I know I speak on behalf of Bruce and Jamie, too, thank you so much for pledging for that crowdfunding campaign, I mean, we we, we truly, truly appreciate it, and it's it's an honor to have you on our show today.
5: Well, thank you, um, good to be here.
0: Yeah, well, it, well, we just wanted to, you know, we wanted to talk with you like we do with, uh, like we have been with the other pledgers who have been on the show, you know, everybody's got their own stories about Big Country, how they became a fan of the band, and, any you know special moments related to the band in their lives? We've all got those, and they're they're all usually very personal and specific to who we are. So the the question we like to start out asking, and we'll just go from there. You know, how did you get into big country in the first place? What year was it? What was the song or or album that that got you hooked?
5: Yeah, well, um, I started listening to big country right from. Not quite the very start. It was The Crossing, but I sort of missed the original release as such. I uh, did what was uh, common in those days and got uh, a tape from one of my school friends, which uh, we played on the cassette players back in those days, so... uh, that's how I started listening to it. Love the music. Um, the lyrics sort of resonated with me as well. Um, I'm from a relatively working class background and an industrial area. Um, I've got, uh, my mum was Scottish uh, and I've got Scottish relatives. So, of course, the whole, let's say, Highland <laughs> um, mystique of Let's particularly the restless natives and seer era of the country all sort of resonated with me as well because I'm obviously uh, familiar with Scotland from uh, many visits in my childhood um, yeah I just I love the oh, let's say the the passion and the the strength of the the songs the you know the the guitars uh, yeah I just enjoyed listening to it many many times um having missed the crossing tour um then i my first gig was the steel town tour uh went to the birmingham Odeon, as it was then um and uh we i was upstairs on the balcony uh pretty much on the back row um really enjoyed the gig but then sort of the the end of the gig was the real highlight with fields of fire and basically everybody even on the balcony was up and ended up pretty much on the front rows of the balcony jumping up and down um, pretty much higher than the wall of the balcony. So, not exactly uh, in today's health and safety, I think there'd have been uh, several stewards there trying to push everyone back. But uh, <laughs> uh, at that time, it was uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing. So uh, that got us into started going to more more gigs. Uh, the next. One went to the NEC in Birmingham, which was a much bigger arena, so they jumped from sort of two thousand up to ten thousand um, with the crowd. but we managed to get pretty much front row tickets and ended up standing right at the front on the on the boards
0: wow uh, would, would that that, have been the, would but, that have been the seer tour for that
5: um, no i May have been, yeah. I'm trying to think. It would have been. No, I think it's actually before the CO. It okay, have been so
0: still the Steel Town December, era, then. Okay,
5: December 8th. It may have been. No, actually, I think it was the CEA December 86. I think maybe.
0: Okay. Okay. <clears throat>
5: um. Yeah. So. Um, wow. Then, um, I started. Uh, I, I actually entered a competition in the Daily Mirror to. Uh, win tickets for a gig, which was actually the one-off special country club gig at the in Hexagon. Oh, wow. Um, and it's about the only thing I've ever won in my life <laughs> uh, was this raffle. So I got these two tickets, went down with a guy from sixth form and that, that was an amazing gig because let's say everyone in the arena was basically in the Big Country fan club, and normal of a normal gig, there'll be a percentage that are several casual concert goers or whatever, or have, may have bought the album. But this really wasn't a gig full of absolute Big Country fans, and uh, the result on the on the floor was pretty amazing. And uh, I think that that was a special gig for UK TV and um i think you can actually still see that gig on youtube uh, the whole gig
0: i'm so envious uh, that you saw the steel town tour especially because you know, that's that's the one that i would have loved to have seen probably more than more than any other early one and you know being being an american and i'm sure swine can say the same thing being in norway we haven't had many opportunities to see them so no,
5: ha- i mean this was and it was a um an amazing album to be fair and um like at, at that time uh let's say big country were as big as u2 and um the steel town album actually kept u2's unforgettable fire off the number 1 uk album slot um when it was released so you know that that sort of gives you a flavour for how how big they were at the time That was before you two went into a a different stratosphere by uh, from the Live Aid uh, exposure. Which um, you know, looking back for me, I was really disappointed that Big Country didn't get that opportunity to perform at Live Aid. Um, I know they they sort of brought them on for the big, for sort of finale performance where everybody was on, but to, to not get their own slot for that was pretty criminal in my book <laughs> um, i agree but, that seems uh, to be uh, one of the, uh,
0: the yeah i mean that seems to be one of the biggest what ifs in in big country history and we've talked about that before too it's like man because because you just know they were they were musically so at the top of their game at the time and um not we,
5: just that from a popularity perspective as well they yeah. were that uh, groove but i just don't think they fitted let's say the profile of what 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 acts they wanted on there, which seems strange when you compare them to like AU2. There's not, they're not that different in that they're a guitar band with a, <laughs> a lead singer and right. uh, similar. Well you, uh, know the, st- well,
0: you know, the story is that, that uh, Bob Geldof, who organized the event, said he would have loved to have had Big Country on, but he was under the understanding that they had broken up, so he never, uh, he didn't pursue them. And uh, you know they did bring the members up on stage at the end to sing in the the big you know chorus of uh, of the live aid song or whatever that was. But um,
5: yeah, that's the, not one I've heard before. But uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I, I wondered where I wonder where he would have got that impression from at the time, given um, that would have been uh, what was it eight five eighty six that that was just before the seer, which was let's say commercially, their most successful album in terms of single sales. I,
0: I know, it's really, it's it's a very strange thing. The only thing I could say is that, you know, it's fine might be able to add to this. I know that, um, and, and in speaking with Bruce in the past too, as we've said, Stuart was often one who would, say that i'm quitting the band or or i'm going to stop the band i i because he had such a hard time with with the, the lifestyle of traveling and being away from his family yeah. and
5: yeah because he had a fa- that was the time he was sort of his young family wasn't it at that point
0: exactly and uh that might have had something to do with how bob Geldof got that idea but uh yeah all that aside it, it is staggering that they weren't a part of that because that could have been one of the one of the highlights of the event. You never know. I mean that that could have been one of the ones everybody was talking about. But uh, it's too bad. But uh, yes. Yeah, so, well, so so you've seen some great shows. Basically, how how many shows have you seen altogether?
5: Well, I, I was just writing them down earlier, and I've seen them in what, oh, twenty odd different venues. Um, not that not twenty different cities, because I've actually seen them in. Five different places in Birmingham. Wow! <laughs> uh, in the various guys, as I say, there's Audi and the NEC. Uh, the Hummingbird gig was uh, a particularly interesting one. Um, it was actually on my birthday um, while I was at Sixth Form, and um, quite a few of the guys from Sixth Form went there that night, and, and we had a great time. Um, Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club, which was I'd say a really intimate venue um, as as you would imagine from a jazz club it's sort of usually for yeah not unsigned performers who are just uh, more like club performers rather than uh, chart acts um, so there was only a like, few hundred people in there um, but this was sort of later on in uh, their career sort of Probably roundabout, why the long face driving to Damascus, sort of time. And um, yeah, again, just seeing in that different venue, type of venue, was a pretty. Unbelievable,
0: really. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say they played in so many different places. I mean, you mentioned that the arena, the ten thousand seat arena, and then and then these small yeah. clubs. I mean, it, and yet it seems like you know, you seeing them in both places, seeing them in both atmospheres, like the small club and a big arena with with thousands of people. Do you have a, a preference to the type of place that you've seen them in? Do, it, it, do you like the small club environment for them more, or did you prefer the the big arena setting more?
5: Um, at the time, I think the big arena setting uh, might have been a little bit too much. I I, I like the mid-sized venues, the sort of three thousand people standing up, maybe a bit of a balcony for the for those that want to sit. I just think those generate a better atmosphere and um, yeah, you know, more enjoyable. But um, you know, to to me at the time, they did deserve the chance to play those. Bigger arenas, and uh, you know, their chart success with the albums particularly deserved it. And the shows that they delivered were they were selling them out, it wasn't like they were half empty. So, uh, but obviously, it did was a bit of a roller coaster that they went from the smaller arenas um, all seated, which, as uh, a few of the first gigs I went to, the Birmingham Odeon, Chester uh, Sheffield City Hall. Nottingham Concert Hall, they were all seated arenas, which doesn't really work for a big country gig, really.
3: Yeah, I um, agree.
5: The standing venues are, are much better, and that's why the, the sort of the Hummingbird, Nottingham Rock City, Glasgow Barrowlands, those are the the places that really are <laughs> the, the most enjoyable gigs <laughs> that's used awesome. to come out. Absolutely soaking of sweat from just jumping around for <laughs> two hours. It's uh, yeah, no, not nice, but it was uh, yeah, it was energetic. <laughs>
0: oh, that's great! Now, have you have you seen the um, have you seen the current lineup before? Do you what are your feelings like on the, that? And, yeah, and-
5: lineup, uh, yeah, I actually saw them twice with Mike Peters, um, once in Birmingham and once in Toronto while I I was living in Canada for a few years and uh, managed to get along to Lee's Palace in Toronto, which, again, was a really strange one in that there was hardly anybody in there. It was uh, uh, um, Jamie and Bruce walking around inside the the venue and... uh, Mike jumped down off the stage and walked through the crowd, but there wasn't much of a crowd to walk through. (laughs) Um, There couldn't have been more than 200 people in there, which was disappointing, really. I was expecting it to be a sellout with the number of, let's say, British and Scottish people in particular over in Toronto. I'm surprised it didn't sell out, but then when I look at how it was marketed, it's hardly a surprise. I only found out because i actually went looking it, it wasn't really uh advertised very well or not on you know coming up on Ticketmaster type things it was uh it was almost uh incognito gig
0: yeah because that's similar then because that's the same type of thing that we've gotten here you know where it's yeah. just like okay big country's playing i just see this in the paper they're oh they're playing tonight okay i better get going so uh so
5: is it- in the UK, it's all—it's quite you know—they've got quite an established fan base. Uh, well, it's obviously not as big as it used to be. The the, the size of venue that they do now—I um, saw them last one I went to was at the Robin in Bilston, which is a sort of seven hundred capacity. Um, they're pretty much a sellout, and uh, everybody knows all the songs, and they've all been going for years, so you know it's it, it's well established and they tour quite regularly in the uk
0: oh that's those are great that's great uh, great memories so it's fine you, you said you had some questions for ian do you have any did did that lead us into anyone that
2: you might have no <laughs> <laughs> but i can take i was just fascinated to hear there were 200 people in the club in canada and um, you said that that seemed like nothing and i'm yeah. thinking they're coming to norway in um, early June, and playing in a club that has a capacity of two hundred people, wow.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so they're not yeah, shooting high with
5: that. I was talking about earlier.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's different expectations, of course. But uh, now, uh, yeah, I, I had some questions prepared in case uh, you know we needed them, and uh, I don't know if we need them, but I can ask you one. So, so Ian, were you ever a member of Country Club?
5: Um. Do you know, I might have been very briefly. Uh, I think I remember getting a couple of the magazines. Uh, yeah, that would have been around about 85.
2: Yeah, right when you yeah. started seeing them and getting yeah. into those shows. Yeah. So was there a time when you perhaps... Uh didn't listen to big country so much, or you stopped being a member of country club, or you you fell out of it for a few years and maybe yeah, came back. Yeah,
5: definitely did actually. Uh, it, I mean, obviously the crossing, Steel Town, the seer, uh, even peace in our time were great. Uh, now, place like home, yeah, pretty good. Uh, but at that time, I just felt like it was it was more aiming at the U.S. market and it didn't sort of resonate as much with the UK audience. And I didn't feel as connected to what he was doing. You know, it was like singing about Republican party reptile. It <laughs> <to me> where, <laughs> they say it's uh, labor and conservative in the UK. It's all this Republican stuff. <laughs> uh, having been in Canada now, I obviously have a better understanding of, let's say politics in North America, but, uh um, yeah at the time it just I felt like it, it it was going away from his uh his fan base really and looking at the new market and while there were some pretty good songs on those albums at that at that time so a while long face driving to damascus buffalo skinners didn't sort of uh, didn't resonate with me as much as the earlier big country um yeah i wouldn't say i didn't like any of it you know some some of it was better than others i still went to the gigs right up to the last fling tour in uh what was it what would that have been late 90s
0: final fling Uh, yeah that that was what that i think that was 2000 99 2000 Yeah.
5: yeah yeah
0: yeah Yeah, hard, yeah. Uh, it works.
5: must have been because I actually went to one of the gigs with my wife, who didn't like big country at all. To be honest, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I didn't meet her till '98, so it must have been uh, late, like really late '90s. Yeah. Did she
0: change her tune after she saw them live, or or didn't didn't do anything for her?
5: No, no effect. I know. What to do about. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, oh, that's too bad. All right. So, so let me ask you this. I mean, you were talking a little bit about republican party reptile and you know liking certain things not liking certain things um you know we've all had those moments where a new big country release or a new direction that they went in maybe maybe we love maybe we didn't like so much was there was there a time that you remember where you heard something new from the band and maybe maybe that is republican party reptile but if you just want to expand on that a little bit i mean was there a time where you heard something new from the band and you just thought oh, man, what are they doing? I don't like this direction that they're taking.
5: Yeah, I think that that was around about that time. I mean, like I said, I did like some of the songs, but I just thought, as a whole, the albums were just not as strong. There was too many songs that didn't mean anything to us as a UK audience, and um, obviously the lyrics and everything of the earlier songs are what made them what they were um yeah you know the, the let's say the backing tracks themselves were pretty awesome as well but you know when you put the lyrics and the tracks together that's what made them took them to the level that they got to and i just felt that they they went away from that it just became a bit more jingly jangly rather than the driving guitars and uh and drums
0: yeah, you know, jingly jangly, that's a perfect way to put it, actually, for uh, like the No Place Like Home album and, and especially. But uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. And, you know, it, it's it's funny. I mean, when you when these things just come out, it's easy to have those sort of really strong opinions on them. And I know I shared the same thing. I mean, when I first heard Republican Party Reptile, I just thought, oh, man, what is this ZZ Top? You know, what had what, what mm-hmm. happened to my band? But now I yeah. got to admit, when I go back, when I go back now, after years years later, and I just sort of consider the entire Big Country catalog, and it's not a jar, it's not a jarring thing anymore. I I, I enjoy a lot of those songs that I once thought, you know, what is this? And, and I've I've grown to really enjoy the No Place Like Home album, for example. Even though yeah, I,
5: no, I really did like No Place Like Home, I, I thought that was the last really good album they did. Um, the, the the last three I think were a little bit disappointing from my. Perspective, but you know there were some good songs, some not so good. Um, it is what it is. You know that that's where he was at that time in the in the band's career, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and th- th- that that that's really fascinating to hear because uh, the Buffalo Skinners is largely seen as a comeback of sorts, but you're saying that that didn't do it for you.
5: Now I think it, maybe it had already gone with the two before it and, and um yeah well again I went, um I bought the album I listened to the album I, I probably I don't listen to the last 3 as much as I listened to uh the first 3 <laughs> yeah. um but um yeah just I just didn't get what they were doing as much it didn't work for me
0: just a few more here for you but uh, this is great so what are you you've pretty much already said this and alluded to this but just to get specifics here what what are your favorite albums which what, what is your favorite album and and can you even name a, a favorite song that really stands out for you as like this is my favorite
5: oh very difficult um yeah yeah can, can
0: you tom yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> can
3: anyone i, I
0: can't <laughs> I could give you 10 maybe, but I I don't think I can give you one. Uh, it changes a lot, so yeah, it's hard. That's going to have to be a future
2: show, our, our top 10 songs countdown. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe that would be good. Yeah.
5: I, I, I don't think they ever surpassed the crossing, if I'm perfectly honest. Hmm. I think it was such a strong album to finish that it was somewhat impossible to to beat and uh Obviously, second album, Syndrome, as it's known by a lot of bands, uh, they did well to do what they did with Steel Town, which, again, really, really strong album. Uh, Very few weak tracks on it. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed with some of the single choices, to be fair. Um, One great thing, again, maybe was the start of the jingly-jangly type development uh but maybe i think that was driven more by record companies than the band's choice and singles (laughs) maybe uh you you might know more of that tom knowing bruce and jamie now as you you do (laughs) some uh you know yeah
0: yeah i know know, they feel they feel similarly in in some ways you know to as, as bruce does at least and he's talked about that on our show before just sort of uh you know that kind of that kind of influence from the outside definitely had it had something to do with what they were doing but uh you know they yeah i i know what you're saying
5: yeah um the seer again some really great songs on it again not necessarily the ones that were released as singles or commercially successful are the ones that i like <laughs> um yeah i so um and at, at that time, the restless natives I really like that. I enjoyed watching the film, hearing the music uh, and um, yeah always uh enjoyed hearing the restless natives track on uh at the live gigs as well
0: oh, yeah, what so, a great what a great live uh, song that turned out to be
5: yeah, um peace in our time again, very good message from the. The song, good message from the album, uh, still got the the heaviness to the band at that point. Um, I think that's where it was just starting to change into the the less heavy, and I think that was Stuart's influence. I'm sure Bruce and ja- oh, no, um, Jamie at the time, but Bruce, Mark and uh, Tony would have liked to keep doing a bit more guitar and drums, but... Uh, um, Obviously, I think Stuart's influence was the one that took it where it went after *Peace in Our Time*. Uh, um, yeah, hard to pick a favorite song. I know uh, it's it's
0: impossible almost, so it's probably an unfair question. So yeah, <laughs> well let me let me ask you this: like uh, a lot a lot of times big country fans are known and we've all done it here too, is to say, I can't believe that song didn't make it on an album, or I can't believe this song was, was a B side. Is there any, this might be almost as hard as picking your favorite song because there are so many of these too, but is, is, are there any B sides or non album tracks that, that you think, you know, that you're most shocked by that, that did not make an, an actual album?
5: Um, not really. I mean in the early days it was all Angle Park and that which they used to play at the gigs as well. Um, I, I think the albums were particularly deep in the first two or three that there weren't many filler tracks that they they were mainly uh, most of the tracks could have been released as singles, so I think it's it would be harsh to say that some of them should have been replaced by others. And um, while I, I I did have quite a few of the uh, 12-inch versions of the early singles, um, I, I I haven't listened to a lot of the, uh, let's say, B-sides in quite a while.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I know. Oh, you should go back because there's some great stuff on there. You can make great albums just on those alone. But uh, oh, that's awesome. So I, I guess final one for you. We've, we've got we've had you for about 40 minutes here. So and and feel free to add anything else that you feel like we haven't mentioned. But the, well,
5: the, I just wondered what your opinion was on the Journey um, album. Did you what did you feel about that being made as a, a new band effectively with Mike Peters? That's a
0: great question. I, don't, I we've now we now we reviewed the album on the show, but it's cool to get, to be asked that from someone. So I'll go first, I guess. Uh, at, at the time, I, I was very skeptical, not because I didn't think the band members were talented, or obviously, and, and couldn't pull off something new and good, but I just didn't. I, I love Mike Peters. I I love him as a person, and I love a lot of Alarm stuff, but I was never the biggest Mike Peters. Musical fan, I guess you could say, of his musical output. But I got to say, when I heard The Journey for the first time, I was really pleasantly surprised. I thought it was, um, I thought it was a strong album, and and I didn't know what to expect from it. To be honest with you, I, I thought some of the songs were were really strong. Um, it, 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 there were some hit and miss tracks on there for me. Uh, I think Mike's approach never totally sat perfectly well with me, as far as. His alarm, you know. He, obviously, he's going to be Mike Peters in whatever he does, and and he's he's one of those guys that wears his heart on his sleeve, and you hear that in his big country performances too. And and um, you know, I loved a lot of that enthusiasm that he brought to the band, but at it, it, it sometimes as well in that album, I, I it almost seemed as if some, a couple of songs maybe were. A little bit too much in alarm territory and didn't sound as much yeah. like big country but then again some of them sounded i thought very similar to big country like in a broken promised land i thought was a great track um yeah. and there's some other great tracks on that album too so you know i i, I really like that album i a long way of saying that i really like that album a lot I, I think there's some really strong tracks and i think it's a worthy addition to the to the big country discography and and before it came out Maybe. i was nervous so yeah
5: yeah, my my initial thought was with it was that it was the best thing they'd done since Peace in Our Time, Stroke Now Place Like Home. Yeah, but, uh, I know, could see and, that. I uh, enjoyed listening to a lot of the tracks and some of the little nuances that were back to the old, some of the old, the lyrics sort of from the old songs or references to the old lyrics or a little riff that was out of uh, fields of fire or something like that The uh, they, they pulled a few of them in there to uh, to to get on side with the uh, older big country fans i'm sure
0: yeah exactly and and i liked uh, you know I, I i missed the fact that tony wasn't on that album but i did like derek's performance and i liked derek in the band and i, I thought mark Especially, really shined on that album. I I thought his drums were were amazing.
5: I I thought, yeah, the backing tracks were really good, and uh, like you say, there were one or two real worthy single tracks on that album. That I I think the only one that ever got released was uh, the another country one, was it?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I think they they released that. They also, I think they
2: released Hurt. I think, Um, and I know. video. Yeah. And th- they did uh, They did That's a seven funny. inch of In a Broken Promised Land, so that okay. at least exists.
0: Okay. I knew they did a video for that too, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, Yes, fine. Anything you want to say about that, about the journey?
2: Yeah, I was really excited that they did it because it seemed like uh, a stretch until it was announced that they would do it. I thought it was so important to validate this version of the band by doing an album. It really put a huge exclamation mark over their comeback and over their return. So just like I compartmentalize a bit, I say we have an 80s big country and then we have a 90s big country, which sounds different than the 80s big country. And then Mm -hmm. we have the new era, which unfortunately only is one album so far. And I don't know if one more is realistic, but we do have that. So it adds to the story. It's an important part that uh, it didn't end... In the nineties, it didn't end with Stewart. The band can go on and did go on, so that was so important.
5: Maybe the next incarnation is the WKW.
2: <laughs> I wish I would love to do that. Unfortunately
0: for us, it's like you know they're in Scotland and I'm in America, and it's so hard to uh, to get together. But we we might have some opportunities to to play a little bit in the in the near future. But. Um, and we, and we are definitely thinking of recording more music so that's that's exciting yeah. but uh as far as like playing live i don't i don't know if that's going to happen much but uh i would love for it too but uh yeah <laughs> we'll see so so ian if you, if you don't mind me asking you and you you mentioned some of this before but yeah i got someone here who who bought the wkw album so i i i need to do a little market research so feel free to be as honest as you want but i just i just want to know what you think of it
5: <laughs> um, I think it, it's excellent in places. Um, one or two. Uh, um, I'm just trying to, let me see, let me run down. and um, Favorite tracks are Seven Swords, Troubled Man, River Stays the Same, Rose Red Sunset. Nice. I really like Yeah.
0: Nice. That's
5: great. Uh, the, the others, uh, Lay the Coin, Smolder. Very decent. Edison's Last Stand, not quite sure. Killy Cranky, obviously a uh, Scottish influence there from Bruce and Jamie. Um, Nationwide, interesting. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, uh,
5: yeah, a good mix. Just what you'd want from an album. Not Now tr- no two tracks the same. Um, yeah, a few good tracks on it yeah really really enjoyed listening to it
0: that's great that's good i'll take that i'll take that that's good for that's good enough for me so so let me ask you this knowing that they could hear this and they might very well listen to it do, do you have anything that that you want would like to say to them you know about about how their music is what what it's meant to you over the years or anything at all i mean what would be your message to them
5: yeah uh, i Really enjoyed listening to them for the last 30 years. So, uh, you know, yeah, thanks for the music. That's a, that's about all you can say. And uh, they obviously still enjoy doing it. And long may it continue.
3: All right, that wraps it up
0: for the WKW Pledger episodes. Hope you guys have enjoyed that. It's really been fun uh, for me. And I know I speak for Svine to say that we had a really great time meeting a lot of you guys that we've spoken with on Facebook and and online. But to actually talk with you has been a lot of fun and a lot of interesting areas of conversation there too. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed listening to that as well. So that wraps up the WKW Pledger series. We'll be back uh, at some point, Svine and I, for a more traditional episode whether it's going to be another deep dive of something or who knows what, we will figure that out, but we will be back at some point as we try to reach our goal of 100 episodes. So in the meantime, as always, if you have any feedback, please feel free to, to uh, drop us an email at bigcountrypodcast at gmail.com. Check us out online on our Facebook page, the Great Divide Podcast on Facebook. And as always, we really appreciate you listening. Hopefully you guys enjoy these shows and we will talk to you very soon. Thank you very much and in the immortal words of swine bye bye